Saying to us, boys, I won't have a problem if you aim high and miss, but I'm going to have a real issue if you aim low and hit. That you get nothing for coming in last. And by the way, you can't just have it because you want it. He said, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. Awesome. All right, guys, coming to you from Denver, Colorado, you got your boy Kyle Barger from Columbus, Ohio. And what's up, guys? This is Trey Spiller from Denver, Colorado. That's right. So we always enjoy when Trey and I can get together to actually record these podcasts live. Uh, We've got some great feedback from friends like Jeff who give us uh, uh, how the visual looks. And it's a lot easier than trying to do this through... monitors right yeah all the internet's bad sometimes so (laughs) but (laughs) 5g it's coming it's coming guys so guys we're coming to you today to talk about sales and this is a a two-part series that we're really excited about because this is probably where trey and i excel before we understood how uh, to work around a a business plan a balance sheet all these things we we knew how to sell and some of that was a bit from uh, our our upbringing and childhood but a lot of it was us kind of growing up blue collar not having much money and trying to figure out how to make a buck ourselves uh, growing up Yeah, it's uh, definitely something that will cure all problems in a business. So it's really important to make sure that you have a good sales team if you are not uh, sales influenced. And there's a lot that you can do yourself that uh, really helps drive, um, you know, revenue in the door. And uh, it's just little things that are going to help. So um, I really look, you know, to Kyle with a lot of little things. He's actually helped uh, groom a lot of my sales pitches and the way that I speak and, you know, having that affluent uh, discussion whenever I go and, uh, you know, pitch to my clients and things like that. So it's, uh, you know, definitely something to, to listen forward to, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with you. Yeah, totally. So guys, again, this is a two part series. We're going to try to do them each in 20 minutes. Part one is going to be how to identify your perfect target customer and then how to essentially get the sales call. Part two is going to be how to close that deal. So we're going to do this in five steps. Uh, but I want to preface this by saying, if you're not in sales, you can still get a lot of value out of this episode. And if you're an entrepreneur, obviously you're wearing all of the hats, but sales is going to be the lifeblood of your organization. So uh, throwing a few statistics before we dive into these five steps, $1 trillion, more than $1 trillion is spent on sales annually here in the United States. So that is various companies, whether it's salaries, incentives, commissions, bonuses, sales is a huge part of the business. So if you're not in sales, if you can develop that skill, you can probably have great job security and find jobs anywhere. Also, when you're asking for referrals, 91% of people will give you a referral. So a lot of times in the sales game, you're going to hear no so many times, but no can mean yes when it leads to other things. And it takes an average of eight cold calls for somebody to to get through to their target. So just just take a couple of these things in mind that sales is not easy. A lot of times people shy away from it because they think I'm too introverted. I don't have the personality or I just don't like hearing no. No one likes rejection, right? Same thing in dating. A lot of times you don't want to ask out that person because you're scared of rejection. So sometimes we settle. Sometimes we go for that lower hanging fruit. Sales is going to be the same thing. We're going to talk about that. So let's go ahead and dive in five easy steps to get that sale done. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. All right. Number one, Identify your exact customer. You need to get specific. If you're selling widgets, if you're selling a service, you don't just want to say, I want to sell to everybody on the planet. Every Joe Schmo with their business plan comes in with that. You want to get very specific. So for me, in my steel company, I want to focus on privately owned companies who typically have somebody from the gene pool doing a sales job or in a specific role as opposed to a specialist. Right. I don't want publicly traded companies because there's a lot more politics and hoops to jump through. And I want the largest player in every region. 
So I have to get so specific that I need to figure out who my exact customer is so I can build my pitch specific to their needs. Think about it this way. When you go to buy a car, you walk in on that lot, you're just like everybody else. But if you already know, if your salesman already knows exactly what car you're looking for, what color, what model, how much more effective are they going to be to try to get your needs? If they can't get it from that dealership somewhere else, right? Same thing for you. You need to get specific to who your exact customer is. So that way your pitch is not going to be generic to everyone. It's going to be specific to them. In terms of identifying your customer, a great way to think about this is the best fishing is where there are less fishermen. If you go to that pond where everybody knows about and they're fishing, you're now competing with a hundred other fishermen to catch the same pool of fish. But if you can find that pond where there's only two or three other fishermen, you have that whole pond between two or three people. So when you get specific and when you get very focused on a target market, you can now go fishing in that pond where you're not competing with every Tom, Dick and Harry in the market. And then finally, once you've gotten specific, go bigger. A lot of times we don't grade our report cards high enough. We don't think we can close that bigger deal, but you better believe it. And this is a great example of it. That girl that you want to ask out who you think is untouchable, she's probably not getting that much attention because people are too intimidated, right? People are going fishing where everyone else is going fishing. Britney Spears had an interview where she talked about this. Somebody said, man, you're so beautiful. You're on top of the world. You know, you've all got all these hit records, all this money. You're gorgeous. And she says no one will approach her when she's out because people are intimidated. People are scared to go up to her, whatever it is. But then a guy named Kevin Federline comes along and he says, you know what? I'm not scared of a no. I'm not scared of a rejection. And obviously that marriage didn't work out, but he got the girl at one point in his life, right? So again, when you find that target you know, customer, don't settle. Don't, don't manage your own expectations. Go bigger. Go for the biggest. Go for the best. Because guess what? You're going to hear no a lot in sales, but what happens if they say yes? Why wouldn't you want to be married to the biggest fish in the pond than going fishing where everybody else is? Right. And uh, just to really tack onto that, just make sure you have, whenever you're doing your pitch, your differentiator, the the thing that makes you different from the other people, right? A lot of things that we do, I, I mean, Kyle, we do professional services for my technology firm, for your uh, steel trading firm, uh, for even my property management firm. A lot of it is a professional services and nothing we do is proprietary, right? So in our ask, in our pitch, you have to have something that makes you different from every you know other person that can do the same exact thing you can do, right? So a lot of things I, I try to tell people is like, I put love into this thing. I put passion, desire. Uh, I work 24 seven around the clock to make sure that I'm going to satisfy you, right? You are my number one priority, right? A lot of people, a lot of these larger companies, they get away from that. You know, they may pitch it a little bit, they may sell it, but they forget about who and how they make money, right? And so you have to make sure that you're very customer focused. You're going to take care of your people, right? And that's a big differentiator for us uh, because a lot of the things that we do is not as people, I mean, people can replicate what we do, right? But it's that, it's that, uh, that really sense and feel uh, of whenever you're pitching to someone that says, Hey, I trust you, right? I have, you know, you're going to start to get references. You're going to get referrals, but you have to have that trust in people. So instilling that sometimes it's hard to find, uh, but make sure you can really speak to it very well. Whenever you have it, that small differentiator uh, that you have over one service or professional services firm over the other. Exactly right. So when you have that differentiator, it, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with identifying your exact customer, right? You're going to get very specific as to who you're looking to do business with and why they should be doing business with you. 
So guys, step number two is prepare. And this seems so generic, but when you call that customer, instead of just making 100 sales calls and going for that volume, do a little bit of research on the company. Do a little bit of research on the person you're trying to get in touch with, whoever that decision maker you're trying to get the yes from is, and figure out their needs, right? So if we take our advice in steps one and we get our specific customer we're looking for, and then we go to the biggest one in the market that we can go after, if they're that big, there's probably a good chance that they've got a website, they've got press releases, they've got information information about them where you can figure out where their focal points are, right? So now when you figured out that company, the person you're trying to talk to and their needs, you can go into it a bit more educated than just some generic sales call where somebody's going to say, oh, I have to educate this person on what we're looking for and what we need. Absolutely not. They're going to be impressed that you did your homework. You're coming into that call prepared. You know who you're looking for. You know who you're talking to and you know how to add value to that person. Come at this from a relational standpoint versus transactional. Transactional means you're just trying to sell used cars. You're trying to sell 100 used cars. You don't care if they break down on somebody. You're just trying to get units sold, right? But if it's relational, now you're doing what Trey said. You're putting your blood, sweat, and tears into that sale. And what that's going to turn into is that's going to turn into an asset to your company. That's going to be somebody who's going to give you referrals, somebody who's going to give you add-on business, somebody who's going to be a customer for life, right? So whether it's professional services, whether you're trying to sell somebody one house, you might think, oh, I'll never see this person again. Well, you better believe they're going to send a friend. They're going to send a referral. So always go that extra effort and think relational versus transactional. And once you've identified the company, the person you need to talk to, have some of their needs and you get them on the phone, now you want to ask questions. We all make the mistake of we've done our research, so we assume we think what people need. We assume we think what their company needs, what their needs are. But you better believe that when you ask questions, they are going to tell you what they need. And nobody knows better than they do. Even if you're, even if you're smarter than they are, even if you know you've got some revolutionary groundbreaking thing, you could benefit their company in a huge way. But if they're close-minded to that or if they think they need something different, it's going to be a pretty hard sell, right? And at the end of the day, they're the customer. They're who you're trying to fill their needs, not your needs. So always make it about them, not about yourself. Yeah. And listen, guys, I just did this on Friday. I was uh, pitching and approaching uh, Marriott Homes and Villas. Um, this is to be specific with one client, right? Very large, well-known brand, but they're trying to get into the space of our property management, right? The short-term rental market. And I was pitching them something that I thought that they wanted, but I had to pivot quickly halfway through the call because they actually wanted property management services, right? I thought they just wanted homes, right? Us to deliver them homes, right? They wanted more homes on the platform, right? After that, it kind of pivoted to where they're, they're looking for boots on the ground. They're looking for quality firms that can deliver to companies or, or not to companies, but to customers and make sure that they can extend the brand into their clientele, right? So I was, I had to pivot. Now it wasn't a big pivot, but I was more prepared of saying, I have a hundred properties that I want to give to you guys right now. That was going to be my pitch, right? But I started listening and I started hearing them. No, they want to give us properties. They want us to be an extension of the brand, right? So I started pivoting about halfway through, right? When I started really listening and that was a very good learning experience for me is um, whenever you pitch first, you know, be sure that you kind of understand what they're trying to do. Because if I had to do it again, I would have easily wanted Marriott to go first. That way I understood what they're looking for. 
obviously because they have more pull and clout than I do. I mean, people, a lot of people haven't heard of our firm. So um, little things like that, if you can position yourself going into a sales pitch or whatever it is, maybe have the person that you're going into, if you know you're both going to be presenting, if you can, if they can have them show your cards first or show their cards first. Yeah, exactly right. There's a, there's a saying that the wisest man in the room listens first and speaks last, right? So essentially, if, if you can get good at this, you can softball certain questions that will pull information out of whoever you're sitting and talking with, right? Think of being on a date and all the person did was talk about themselves the whole time, right? That, that's not really appealing. Now, maybe they're still saying the right things to you, but at the end of the day, when you're on a sales call, they're not just going to talk to you, but if you can get good at asking the right questions, they'll start to deliver information. Now, instead of maybe taking your shot too soon and then sending them a proposal on something that maybe they're not really interested in, you, just like Trey said, with his experience, he could pivot and then ultimately still capture what that client wants, even though he would have totally swung and missed based on his delivery because there's a disconnect on what he was offering and what they were looking for, but then he can still save that, that sales call, right? Mm -hmm. Guys, number three, and this is a no brainer is add value. At the end of the day, you are here to serve your client, not impress them. They're not here to serve you. You are here to add value to them. This is how you're going to outwork your competition. At the end of the day, somebody else may have a better product than you, but if your customer service is better, your follow-up is better, and you can add value in ways that they can't necessarily show, or they're not doing a good enough job of demonstrating or advertising, that's where you're going to get the most sales, right? So go into it with a plan to add value. When you finally get that person on the phone, figure out what those needs were and have a game plan already in place to help them meet those needs from your services, from your products, from whatever that is. Go into it knowing how whatever you're selling adds value to the customer. Also, figure out how who you're talking to is incentivized. I deal with people in the steel industry. Some people are incentivized based on how cheap they can buy the product. Some folks are incentivized based on how that yields, uh, how efficient it makes their operations. But at the end of the day, those are three different sales pitches. I got to figure out what my guy is incentivized by to make him look as good as possible. Because you better believe if he feels he has a partner or an ally looking out for his best interest, because let's be honest, whoever you're talking to on the phone, their best interests are their paycheck, being able to take care of their family, being able to to be able to play golf on the weekends, afford their second home, right? A lot of times they say, oh, I got to put the company first, company first, company first. But at the end of the day, why are we all working? We're all working for our own personal goals, for our own personal gain. So when you can figure that out with whoever you're talking to, figure out how to make them look awesome. Figure out how they're incentivized. Make them look good to their boss. Because another thing too is if they're getting promoted, now they're an even bigger decision maker in the company. And vice versa, never talk poorly or short to the secretary, to the next person in charge, because I don't know how many times in my short career that person has then become who's in charge. And because I was kind to them, because I was patient with them, or because I helped kind of teach them the ropes, now I have allies for the rest of their career in this business. Yeah, <clears throat> to really add to that point, I mean, we always focus on time, cost, and quality, right? That's that add value that you're going to look into uh, a client. So in every pitch, I'm looking to either save that person time, right? Uh, either the director I'm working with or the VP, whoever it's going to be, I've got to save them time. I have to save them money or I have to add quality to whatever the product they're looking for. So in, uh, for us, a lot of it's uh, the software consulting that we get into, right? So I have to be able to provide a better quality product at a cost that is reasonable, uh, sometimes even more. Uh, it, it might be a little bit higher value, but they're looking for that quality uh, to make sure that they get in there. So as long as I can hit two of, of those three boxes, I'm usually going to win uh, the proposal that I get into. So 
if you can look at anything, whenever you're adding value, remember you have to add value and then you break down to adding value. If you can hit those two of those three boxes, a lot of times you'll, uh, you'll win the proposal. Exactly right. And, and again, that's a pretty good heuristic for just about any industry, right? Those three things yeah. to focus on. But again, the principle to take away from here is add value, but look at the equation through whoever you're doing business with's eyes. Try to see the proposal, the, the bid, the equation from their eyes, and you're going to have a higher success rate. Number four, have a very clear ask. Do not ever go into a meeting, a phone call, just to catch up or just to talk shop. Now, once they've become a, a customer already, absolutely follow up, talk about the weekend, talk about golf. But there's nothing that irritates me more than when somebody schedules a meeting and I'm making time for this and there's no clear ask, there's no clear agenda. It's just a, a meeting to like catch up and hang out. So go into the phone call with a very clear ask because a lot of these people that you're trying to, especially if you go after the bigger fish, the Britney Spears and her prime, they don't have a lot of time, right? So when you have your clear ask, if there's a yes at the end of that clear ask, have the next steps ready. Don't give me the, oh, I'll follow up with you, right? It's like you ask out the girl of your dreams and she says yes, but then you're like, okay, I'll be in touch in a week. Absolutely not. Hey, Thursday night, 9 p.m., let's do dinner. Whatever. That's pretty late for dinner, isn't it? <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I mean, but have yeah, that clear can, ask. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then if it's a no, you're still looking for something, right? Ask for a follow-up appointment. If you can't get a yes on that phone call, on that email, or especially if you can in that in-person interview, then ask for a follow-up appointment. Okay, sir, I understand. Uh, it doesn't make sense for you today, but can we sit down next week? I think I have another idea or another product that'll, that'll do wonders for you, right? And then go home, reassess your proposal. There, uh, a lot of times that consistency is what people are looking for. You know, there's a great statistic that 30 to 50% of sales go to whoever responds first, right? So maybe you say no, but if you're there and you're that eager beaver and they're going to see that you're hungry for that business, a lot of times that's going to outweigh your competition. Yeah, we we just actually realigned on some of our sales proposals to, uh, again, we use a, a product called uh, Proposify, so I can... Uh, you know, kind of do a shout out with those guys, but it actually gets the proposal and the presentation for people to close the deal on the spot, right? Because a lot of our clients are there, they're pissed or, you know, they're upset with some other service. So we say, hey, we can save you time and we're going to add quality to the service that we're going to provide you. You know, here it is. And we want to get them to sign up front, right? So we're, we're kind of uh, reverse engineering as opposed to where some firms, it takes two, three, five days to respond to an ask. And they, they've either already forgotten people get busy um, and they don't follow up in time. And so they're going to lose that sale. Yeah. Right. So, so we actually pivoted and say, let's try to get them to sign that day. You know, totally. Uh, we, they already know our pitch. They already know our presentation. If we can make it easy for them, right. Which is another goal of uh, any company to make things easy for your clients you know, that's been a good conversion for us. You know? Totally. So. And think about it in your own sense when you're listening to this. Like how many times have you walked into a Best Buy or something like that and you bought a product and then you're like, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have bought that, but you don't return it in time. So now, now you're, you've got <laughs> it, right? Or yeah. you didn't pull the trigger on the thing and you never end up buying that. So if you're that salesperson at Best Buy, you're that salesperson trying to get your widget sold, have the paperwork ready to go. Don't give them time to think about it again or to then to go shop your price to another comp competitor, right? Have everything ready to rock. And then if they have buyer's remorse down the road, now you're in the driver's seat to either like try to renegotiate the deal, let them out of it and, you know, be the white knight or to try to find something that gives them more value or a better understanding. But you're now a partner, not a salesman. There's a whole business in abandoned shopping carts, right? I mean, if you go and look at uh, all the consulting firms, I mean, they spend 
huge amounts of monies, a money in order to get someone that has left their website to go and buy again, right? So apply that to anything tangible as well. You have to try to get a hold of that person in order to convert the sale. Would you wait a month to go talk to that person again? No, absolutely not. That that ship's already flown by, right? You need to make sure that it's you're following up each and every day and understanding what am I missing? Why did you not convert that, right? And people spend lots of money to understand totally. why people are not converting. Yeah, and again, I, I love going back to the dating aspect, but like if you ask somebody or if you're interested in going out with somebody, you're not just going to say, hey, I really like your vibe. Like we should hang out sometime. Like everyone, a lot of people do that. That doesn't work, right? It's like, Hey, I'd love to take you to dinner. What do you think about next Thursday at nine o'clock? That's a clear yes or no, right? Don't leave it vague. Have your clear ass, have the yes prepared. Now, if you hear no and you can't get that appointment or the follow-up set up and you hear no again, ask for a referral. At this point, that person's probably so done with you on the phone call, they will be happy to give you somebody else to bother, right? So a statistic there, 91% of people, even on a cold call, will give a referral. That's amazing. Yet only 11% of salespeople ask for it. So again, you have your target customer lined up. If they're going to give you a referral, it's probably somebody that they know who's in the same business. It's probably somebody similar to them. That's going to be a pretty darn good referral, right? So ask for that referral. If you're in that 91% where they give it to you, first name, last name, email address, cell phone number, get as much information as you can. Again, don't leave anything for somebody to follow up because a lot of times on the spot, they'll give you that information. But if you give them time to think about it, they're going to say, oh, maybe I shouldn't give out my buddy's phone number. You know, Maybe I should give them a fake number or this or that. But on the spot, they're going to be a lot harder to do that. So make sure you ask. Don't be that 11. Don't be in that 99, excuse me, 89% <laughs> that don't ask for the referral. Last but not least, guys, follow up. It takes an average of eight cold calls to reach your prospect. You keep hearing no from the gatekeeper. Follow up. Most people won't even get past the third phone call. It takes eight to get there, right? 80% of sales require five follow-up calls. And 44% of sales reps give up after one follow-up. Don't give up after one follow-up. Again, it's going to take eight calls to reach your prospect, and it's probably going to require five calls to be able to close that sale after that. Now, if you follow up on a yes, this is important. Don't make that sale and then all of a sudden put that customer in the done box, right? Do what you say you were going to do on the phone. Add value any way they need because having a current customer, that is the lifeblood of your organization. That's going to be somebody you can get repeat sales from. You can get referrals from. You can get testimonials from. That's how businesses are built. Businesses are not built on selling somebody a lemon and trying to sell the next lemon to somebody else. Sell your customer, give them above and beyond service like Trey was talking about, blood, sweat, and tears into that thing and make them a return customer, a partner, a referral, and hopefully a testimonial. Yeah. And guys, to add some to this, as entrepreneurs, we are all over the place, right? We are scatterbrained for the most part. I'm generalizing us, but we're scatterbrained because we have a million things to do, right? I mean, we're doing accounting one day, finance, then sales, all within maybe sometimes one hour because you're doing a sales call while you're trying to get your books done. But if I can say one thing, make sure you track it. Make sure you have a system to track it that allows for scalability uh, and that allows you to follow up, just like Kyle said. 
um, to understand where you are in that sales pipeline, right? We use a product called HubSpot. Uh, it's very good for us to move and funnel people through to understand exactly where we are, how many times we followed up. I can track every email I've sent to that person. I can track every phone call, every text message that I've ever had with that client. I know exactly how many times I've touched that that client. So that actually sounds kind of funny, but <laughs> um, so we know how many times that we've gone after that prospect and we need to make sure that our sales guys are following up appropriately, right? So we have metrics that can understand what our customer acquisition cost is going to be. And again, it allows for scalability. Uh, as we get more inbound clients and more leads, we're going to be able to say, hey, we know how long it takes to get into these sure. customers, how much it's going to cost to get them. And then now I can have a business case to say, I can now go hire another sales guy. So you have to track this stuff. I can't say it enough. I know you're very busy, but find a CRM that works for you. There's tons of them out there that are free and that they're easy to adopt. Now there are those freemium versions, but HubSpot is fantastic. Zoho CRM works for my software company. Um, there's a, a few other ones that I, I can't think of off the top of my head, but you know, make sure you do it. Yeah. And guys, again, when you go to CRM, basically that's what makes it a relational business, right? You're remembering uh, your customer, you're remembering his wife's name, how many kids he has, where they went to school, you know, does he have a dog, a cat, like what are his interests? And a lot of times that seems fake to people, but at the end of the day, like if I'm trying to create a relationship with somebody, I need to know more than just the business, right? I need to know what excites them, what interests them. That's what's gonna make them wanna take my phone call, right? That's what's gonna allow me to go beyond the business. So, and another thing too, is if you're in a bigger organization where you have people working under you doing this, if somebody leaves, you don't want them to leave with all that information, that relationship. You want that to be in a database where now you can make sure that you're following up and you're giving that person the right level of care, right? So guys, to bring it all back, step one, identify your exact customer, get specific, go fishing where there are less fishermen, less competition, and then go bigger than your expectations. Two, prepare, do your research on the company, the person you're trying to get a yes from and what their needs are, ask questions. Number three, add value. Go into that sales call or that proposal to get a slice of somebody's time with uh, a plan to add value and know what that organization or that person needs to succeed. Figure out how they're incentivized. Four, have a very clear ask. If there's a yes, have the follow-up documents ready to go right on the spot. Have that meeting ready to go right on the spot. If it's a no, ask for a follow-up appointment. Ask for a second shot at that business. Ask for more of their time. If it's a no again, get the referral. 91% want to give it to you. And then five, follow up, follow up, follow up. Even if you go into that bid and you are not the number one pick, you being hungry, you following up a lot of times, matter of fact, 30 to 50% of those times, that sale is going to go to whoever responded first, whoever followed up first, whoever stayed hungry to that business. So guys, I hope this helped. Part two is going to be coming to you next. That's going to be once you get in the room, in the arena, how to close the deal, what tactics you can use to add value, to help manipulate your offer in a way that adds value to your customer that makes them want to say yes, and then add on sales, secondary sales, how you can get referrals out of that too, and build your business even more. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Lucrative Lessons. We hope you learned something today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes. If we earned your five-star review, please leave one. Helps for visibility. Also, you can check out more at llpcast.com. All proceeds go to our 501c3 nonprofit, the Make-A-Day Foundation, where you can find more at makeaday.fun. We'll catch you next time.